Shalom and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Gad Dishi from Alon Shvut. We're in Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, and Parashat Vayetzeh. Uh, in our Fishbane Jacob cycle, we're now beginning to close out the cycle. The center, again, was Rachel becoming fertile and having Yosef, which was the fulfillment of Birkat Hazera. Uh, we also have in the center of the cycle Yaakov's flocks increasing in number and him becoming a very wealthy man, part of how he is Ufaratsta. Uh, and now we have Yaakov's departure, uh, an encounter with Lavan, and the deception of Rachel in her stealing the Trafim. And these uh, episodes parallel the earlier uh, narratives of Yaakov arriving at Haran, now he's leaving, uh, and his first meeting with Lavan, now it's his last, and the deception of the conjugal switch. Uh, Pasuk Aleph. Vayishma etivre ben Lavan lemo lakach Yaakov et kol avinu. And Yaakov heard the words of the sons of Laban saying, Yaakov took all of that belongs to our father, and from what was from our father, he made all of this wealth. So Yaakov took is the claim of Bnei Lavan, of the children of Lavan, and that's exactly what Yaakov had always sought to avoid. He only wanted to earn things, not take things. Interestingly, they do not even say that he stole anything. They're cautious not to level that accusation. In Haran, where so much uh, materialism reigns supreme, stealing may represent an absolute low, so they stay away from such accusations. The Pasuk uses the word Asa, uh, the Bnei Lavan say that Yaakov Asa et kol he made uh, this great amount of wealth, and that was what we heard earlier in Yaakov's request, Ve'ata matai gam anochi when will I also be able to produce such wealth for my household? So it looks like Yaakov was successful in his uh, desire. And the word kavod here, which normally we associate with honor, really means wealth, uh, also associated with the pasuk we may have seen in Lech Lecha, Abram kaved me'od, Abram was very wealthy with all of his possessions. Pasuk bet, And Yaakov saw the face of Lavan, and it wasn't the same as it was in previous days. So seeing faces, uh, it begins here, but we'll see it again later when we deal with Esav and the mysterious wrestler, uh, Yaakov, being able to see someone's face, and we'll discuss the significance of that later. Lavan was happy when Yaakov was creating wealth for Lavan, but now that Yaakov is creating wealth for himself, and Lavan's flocks are getting weaker, he is less happy with Yaakov staying on. And for Yaakov, this change of face represents Lavan's change of heart, and gives rise to the fear that Lavan will now try to do something to reclaim all the animals. Pasuk Gimel. Vayomer Adonai el Yaakov, Shuv el Eretz avotecha ulmoladetecha, ve'eheyeimach. And God said to Yaakov, Return to the land of your fathers and your birthplace, and I will be with you. So before Yaakov makes a decision about what to do in the face of the uh, disgruntling of the sons of Lavan, Hashem, who has been noticeably absent from saving Yaakov from the conjugal switch or providing any guidance until now, suddenly appears to Yaakov in Padanaram and informs him to return to his father's land and his birthplace. And he will be him, future tense, implying perhaps that maybe he wasn't with him until now or that he will be in the upcoming days helping him to leave Levan's grip. Either way, this is a reminder to Yaakov about his father, who has not played a part in his previously stated purpose of leaving Levan's home, God's imperative is relayed to the reader here in a succinct and very precise form. 
It also harkens back to the divine promise when he had the dream of the ladder. V'hine anochi imach, by the ladder, matches v'anochi ehye imach here. And v'hashivotich el ha'adama azot, by the ladder, matches up with shuv el eretz avotecha. Pasuk Dalid. V'yishlach Yaakov, v'yikra l'rachel u'l'le'ah, hasadeh el sono. And Yaakov sent and called for Rachel and Leah to the fields next to his sheep. So he calls them out to the field where the flocks are, and this will become clear that Yaakov is seeking to establish party lines. He wants to confirm the allegiance of his wives before embarking on his planned exit. Uh, he basically needs to force them to decide between their father, their husband's employer, and their joint husband Yaakov. Yaakov cannot afford pun intended, to have them side with Lavan or his planned exit may meet with failure. They may seek to strip him of his wealth and or the children and stay with their father and stay in their homeland in the environment that they have always been their home. And therefore he calls them out to the field, some neutral territory, not inside a tent or their home. And also out of earshot, the field represents the area with no supervision. Also is seen even since the days of Cain. The field was always the place where no one would be watching. And they are also in view of the wealth that can be theirs as a family if they choose to leave together with Yaakov. So Yaakov is pulling out all the plugs and providing all the incentive he can to win over their favor. Pasuk And he told them, I see the face of your father, and it's not as it was in previous days, and the Lord of my father was with me. So he pits their father, not against his, but against the God of his father. And the word their father will recur another three times here, stressing that this is the point at issue, whether or not they're willing to forego being with their father. He states that his father's God was with him. And we just read before that God had said that he will be with him in the future. But Yaakov makes this slight adjustment. Uh, Pasuk Vav continues with the line of thought, Ve'atena yedaten. And you know that with all of my might, I worked for your father. Again, this you know, it's the same line of argument that he used with Lavan years earlier to get his way. It empowers the other person. It allows them to feel that they're using their own judgment, when in reality, Yaakov is playing Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception, planting the idea in their minds. He sets out the basic premise of fairness. He has worked, slaved away for their father with all his might. Perhaps he's referencing his late coming homes at night from the fields, as we read in the last parak, and the sparsity of their seeing him due to his long hours devoted to his shepherding career. So he's establishing some common ground with his wives about some complaint against their father. Pasuk, Pasukim Zayin through Yud Gimel. V'avichen hetelbi, v'echelifet maskurti aseret monim, v'lo netano eluhim lehara imadi, and your father toyed with me, and he switched my wages tenfold. And, he, and God did not allow him to harm me. If he would say, all the speckled sheep would be your wages, then all of the sheep would be born speckled. And if he would say, all of the brindled animals would be your wages, then all of the, sp- the flocks would be born uh, speckled. Uh, brindled, excuse me. And God saved all of your father's flocks and gave them to me. And 
And so at the time when the flocks were in heat, I raised my eyes and saw in a dream, and look, the rams mounting the flocks were brindled, spotted, and speckled. And an angel of God spoke to me in the dream and said, Yaakov, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Raise your eyes, please, and see all the rams mounting the flocks are spotted, brindled, and speckled, for I have seen all that Lavan has been doing to you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made me a vow. Now rise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birthplace. A lot of the information that we read in these psukim comes as news to the reader, who has been carefully following along throughout. And upon closer scrutiny, it becomes pretty clear that it may begin as truth, but warps into fake news. Let's take a look. In Pasuk Zayin, we have a reference to Levan switching wages tenfold. Monim, the word monim means tenfold, not ten times. That would have been pa'amim. So monim refers to value, a qualitative indicator, not quantitative. And as Yaakov will never mention the conjugal switch and the girls don't know anything about this, it is his way of relaying how he feels cheated. He knows he's referring to the switch of Rachel and Leah, where for him Leah is merely one-tenth of the value he ascribes to Rachel, if at all. But the women need something else to ascribe it to, so Yaakov now creates a new narrative. He creates a difference between speckled, the little dots, and striped at the ankle, the brindled, uh, and this difference between those types of animals did not exist. The agreement was always that Yaakov receive all those groups. And it was not Lavan who initiated the work agreement, stating that Yaakov would get and what not to get, but Yaakov was the one who set it out. And Yaakov conveniently leaves out any attempted manipulation of the birthing patterns by the use of rods, and instead attributes it all to God. In addition, earlier it was God himself speaking to Yaakov, and now he introduces a dialogue with an angel. He's also drawing from the earlier dream with the latter. As Deborah Geller pointed out to you, one of the key words there was vehine and behold, and we have that again here, vehine in Pasuk Yud, vehine ha'atudim ha'olim al-hatson. Uh, we also have the idea of ascending here. The rams are ascending, ha'olim al-hatson. And we have that by the angels with the ladder, olim ve'yoradim bo, going up and down the ladder. It also explicitly recalls that dream. It mentions Bethel, the anointing of the Matseva, the nether. He's filling in the gaps of what seems to be a fabricated dream with the elements he knows to be true from his only other true prophetic vision by the latter. Perhaps he's still piecing together those shattered pieces of his initial dream and his vision of what it was that he was setting out to do from his earlier years. Um, this entire episode is reminiscent of the speech of the servant of Avraham when trying to speak with the family, meaning Lavan and Betuel, to allow Rivka to leave. It was there the lure of a wealthy future, coupled with a miraculous intervention. Uh, there the servant reported that Avraham had given all of his wealth to Yitzchak, and that the birth of Yitzchak was miraculous uh, to an aged Sarah. And here Yaakov has all these animals as a result of divine intervention on the birthing flocks, and finally, in both situations, a divine sign. There was the fulfillment of the test at the well about watering the camels, and here the divine sign in the dream of the ram mounting the sheep. Pasuk Yud Dalet V'tan Rachel v'le'ah v'toman alo ha'od lanu helek v'nachala bevet avinu halon lo'chriyot nechshavnu lo ki mecharanu 
ויאכל גם אכול את כספנו, כי כל העושר אשר הצהיר אלוהים מאבינו, לנו הוא ולבנינו, ועתה כל אשר אמר אלוהים אליך, עשה. And Rachel Eliyah answered and said to him, Do we still have any share in inheritance of our father's house? Why, we've been considered by him as strangers, for he has sold us, and he has wholly eaten up our money. And for whatever wealth God has saved from our father is ours and our children's. And so whatever God has, God has said to you, do. The two of them are answering, but the first word is vatan, as, as if it's a singular And that's giving us a window into understanding that despite the rivalry between the sisters, uh, we have a joining together here to be the common foe here, their greedy father, and it explains to us how Yaakov's speech enjoys spectacular success. Uh, do they have an inheritance? Now is the time to recall that point we mentioned earlier, that originally there were no boys, in which case they were going to inherit their father. But now that Levan had boys, the inheritance that would otherwise have been theirs will now only devolve upon the boys. So their only chance of gaining any wealth at this time is through being married to Yaakov and by Yaakov taking as much wealth as he can. Their reference to being sold is an interesting choice of words. It's another indication that they are clueless about the conjugal switch. Again, it was not Lavan that sold them. He did not mention the girls as payment at all. It was Yaakov who introduced them as barter for work. Also, they think they were sold together. We were sold, which someone from the outside could think. seeing that two daughters are given in year seven for 14 years of labor. They claim to be foreigners, non-relatives. They're not his daughters because they were sold off as chattel. But if they knew that it was really Yaakov who introduced the first barter, the blame would fall on Yaakov's doorstep and not Levan's. He wasn't the one who suggested treating them as means of payments. That was Yaakov who did that. They also echo back what Yaakov had said earlier and completely by the divine rescuing of the monies to Yaakov, Uh, this is also in their own interest, as pointed out above. It's more Haran-like philosophy, for throughout the Tanakh, the verb to save, is mo- Hitzil, is mostly for people. But in Haran, flocks and money are as important to pe- as people, so they are personified here as if their loss or gain is not a financial interest, but a matter of life and death. And they respond in a reminiscent way, a way that Lavan and Betuel responded back in Perich Havdalid, There, Lavan and Betuel said, Mehashem yatsa hadavar, lo nuchal daberelecha ra'otov. There, Lavan and Betuel said, It's from God, we can't have anything to say about it. And now the women respond, Kol asher amar elokim elecha aseh, whatever God said to you, we have to do. Go ahead and do it. Pasuk Yud Zayin. Vayakom Yaakov, vayisa et banav ve'ed nashav al ha-gemalim, vayinhag et kol meknehu, ve'ed kol rechusho asher rachash, מקנה קניינו אשר רכש בפדן ארם, לבוא יצחק אביו ארצה כנען. And Yaakov arose and took his children and his wife on the camels, and he drove all his livestock and all his substance that he had acquired, his property and livestock that he had acquired in פדן ארם, to go to יצחק his father in the land of כנען. The text stresses that Yaakov is taking things that he acquired. He is not stealing any material possessions. The text also mentions that he's going to Yitzchak's home. The first mention, again, in the narrator's voice, not in Yaakov's voice, of the purpose of going back is indeed to go back and see Yitzchak. Pasuk Yutet. V'lavan halach l'gzoz et sonor, v'tignov Rachel et ha-terafim asher le'aviha. And Lavan went to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole the trafim that belonged to her father. Lavan went to shear his sheep, and it's surprising that he's not inviting Yaakov, his star shepherd, 
it's seemingly in his desire to continue to keep Yaakov separate and away from his wealth, and that allows Yaakov not to attend and make his exit. Rachel stealing the trafim, what are they, and why is she taking them? Uh, the Ibn Ezra says that they're in the shape of a person, a type of a idol that's in the shape of a person. Uh, we see this also in a different story later in Tanakh with Michal, the wife of David, putting trafim in a bed so that Shaul's men will think that it is David. Now, what do these uh, trafim do? Uh, perhaps it allows Levan to properly analyze horoscopes and be able to track the whereabouts of Yaakov according to the uh, reading of the stars. Uh, Rashi explains that uh, Rachel's motivation for taking these trafim were to make Levan stop worshipping idols. Uh, to this claim, Ibn Ezra says that if that indeed was the case, why didn't she throw them out and bury them along the way? Why does she keep taking them along with her on the road? And therefore he rejects that premise. The Ramban explains that these were gods for Lavan, as evinced later in the showdown between Yaakov and Lavan. Lavan refers to them as Elohai. The Ramban says that they were either a watch that tells time and had powers by magic to tell the future, which seems to introduce more problems than we started out with. Uh, the Ralbag explains that they look like they talk, but it is really an illusion. Uh, the Rashbam explains that the the Yerchel took the Trafim in order that the Trafim wouldn't tell Lavan what Yaakov was planning on leaving. And the Dat Mikra explains that perhaps they she took them just to get Lavan all discombobulated. Others suggest that these were fertility gods and Rachel in her continual contest with Leah to bear more children wanted them very badly to be with her or that they represented that she would be the one who would continue the line of Lavan. Svi Gromit in his book suggests that Rachel plotted to steal and hide these trafim so that Lavan would chase them. And then the claim of thievery will enrage Yaakov, and this will bring Yaakov to speak up to Lavan and stand his ground and allow Yaakov to come into his own. For otherwise, without the trafim charge, Yaakov would have had to agree that he left without telling Lavan, and perhaps he may even had to have returned back to Haran with Lavan. So it's possible that it's true, uh, but it would have required that Rachel correctly assume a lot of all these steps along the way. Uh, and we see, though, that Rachel only hides these trafim once Lavan catches up. So it seems that the arrival of Lavan was a surprise for her, and they were not hidden until then, so there's some difficulty with this understanding. Leon Cass says that he's still atta- that Rachel is still attached to the gods of Lavan's home, and perhaps she's hedging her bets that if Yaakov's god doesn't come through, uh, she has backup. However, as much as everyone tries to understand the, her motivation, no one's really addressing the simpler point. Rachel has been corrupted by Haran. Even if she wanted to prevent Levan from worshipping the idols, stealing them isn't the way to go. Maybe destroying them would have been more an ideological statement, but it is perhaps the best sign that they have stayed too long in Haran, in the materialistic Haran, that you now Rachel allows herself to steal property belonging to her father. If Yaakov was able to justify his sheep manipulation to keep what is rightfully his, and he repeats the same dynamic of protecting his own interests and he usurped the blessings from Yitzchak, and as he did in looking out for his own interests when he bought the birthright, now Rachel has gone one step further and taking without any textual indication of why she may have felt that she was entitled or due to take these. And indeed we see that they have begun to slip on the slippery slope. For any of those who may have difficulty ascribing idol worship to the household of Yaakov, the text does record that he did have many slaves and maids, and later in chapter Lamed Hay, we'll see that he asked to purge the household of all foreign gods, implying that they were indeed 
foreign gods along with them in the camp of the household of Yaakov. The idea of thievery, of theft, has been introduced. If we reach that low for Haran, it's time to leave. Pasuk Chaf, Vayignov Yaakov et Lev Lavan Ha'arami, Al Beli Higidlo Ki Boreachu. And Yaakov stole the heart of Lavan the Aramean for not telling him that he is uh, leaving. So Yaakov is also a thief, but not of possessions of, of Lavan's heart. And it's quite surprising that the Torah describes it this way. Yaakov has taken pains throughout not to steal. Uh, he manipulates rods, but it's always within the parameters of the agreed-upon terms of the agreement. The text has painted Yaakov as in a good light. We see that Lavan is the fiend and that Yaakov was taken advantage of, and Yaakov uh, is the one who's the uh, underdog. Uh, so the verse of trying to tell us that Yaakov stole Lavan's heart seems to fall on unsympathetic ears. Uh, we really couldn't care less about Lavan's heart. But I believe that this verse will serve critical in understanding tomorrow's lecture on hidden agendas. Uh, it's also worth noting that the word Lev is also part of Lavan, the first two letters. And so we see that he's really taking an essence of Lavan. He's stealing when he steals his heart by not telling him. Ki uh, the end of the Pasuk, uh, the Mefashim are split into how to understand the word Boreach. Is it descriptive or is it a noun? Um, that he did not tell Lavan that he is going to be running away or that he is a fugitive from a sav. This is the Abarbanel's understanding. The Abarbanel also suggests that when Yaakov stole Lavan's heart, it means that Lavan's heart didn't, didn't even entertain the idea of Yaakov leaving. So the one not doing the telling to Lavan, according to the Abarbanel, is Lavan's heart, not Yaakov. He's reading it as almost it says, Ad gidlo instead of Al-Beli Higidlo. He's saying his heart was stolen so much that he, he didn't even think that it was going to tell him. His heart would not have told Lavan that he was going to be leaving. The word Ha'arami, used here as Aramean to, uh, to describe Lavan, as Alter and Dat Mikra point out, is really setting the stage for the later national separations that's about to take place between Yaakov and Lavan. Yaakov stealing Lavan's heart uses the same verb as that of Rachel stealing, which maybe also softens Rachel's stealing, as we're so unsympathetic to the stealing of Lavan's heart. Uh, he deserves to be stolen from, and already Haran is influencing us to allow for stealing to be okay. And so the juxtaposition of Yaakov stealing and Rachel's stealing seems to be setting up some sort of an equivalent, even though in our minds, perhaps, the stealing that Yaakov is doing is not physical, that we can understand it to be as harsh as Rachel's. Pasuk Chaf Aleph. And he ran away, him and all that belonged to him, and he arose and he crossed over the river, the Euphrates, and he set his face in the direction of Har Hagilad. And it was told to Lavan on the third day that Yaakov ran away. And he took his brothers with him, and he chased after him a distance of seven days, and he caught up to him at Har Hagilat. Uh, the use of Echav, very interestingly, that while in the beginning Yaakov and Lavan referred to each other as brothers here, Lavan has a new set of brothers. Uh, it's not clear who they are, uh, whether they're the townsmen or whether they were the uh, other workers of Lavan. Uh, but the word of Echav being used, uh, different from Yaakov, indicates that Yaakov is no longer in that group of Lavan, going to be going back home to his real Ach of Esav. Pasuk Chaf Dalet. Yaakov Mitov Adra. 
And God came to Lavan the Aramean in a dream at night, and he told him, Beware to, from speaking to Yaakov, good or bad. Hashem speaks to Lavan, similar to God speaking to Avimelech, and in both situations it's a foreigner that's being spoken to, and in both situations God is trying to prevent them from doing something to our patriarch. Here God wants to prevent Lavan from saying anything to Yaakov, even if it's good. It seems that Lavan ignores God's warning, and in fact does engage with Yaakov in speech. Pasuk hafei, v'yaseg Lavan et Yaakov, v'yaakov taka et aholo bahar, v'lavan taka et echav behar hagilad. And Lavan caught up with Yaakov, and Yaakov pitched his tent on the heights, and Lavan pitched his kinsmen in the high country of Gilad. The idea of pitching the tent and the kinsmen and the language of Lehadbik, to glue, to catch up with, seems to imply not only physically catching up, with someone, but in a manner that the person can no longer get away. Uh, it allows us to understand that the men of Lavan have surrounded Yaakov uh, around the mountaintop, and Yaakov is situated on top, and he's basically glued there. He can't get away. The next time when we meet, we'll have the showdown between Lavan and Yaakov, and it will reveal Lavan's hidden agenda and possible motivations behind his fiendish behaviors throughout Yaakov's stay in Padanaram. Till next time.